It's good to see you here at the end of 2018. It's hard to believe that this year is almost gone. A couple more days. Uh, This morning we have uh, a little bit of a unique service in that uh, this is our elder-led Sunday. We've kind of started this tradition uh, a few years back and I think it's held on pretty good. Gives you a sense of of, um, the heart of those who are leading and how much we love and care for you. So um, this morning we're going to focus a little bit on our mission statement, not a little bit, actually a lot, on our mission statement. You'll remember Darren did a five-week series on our mission statement back in September, and so we thought it would be a good idea to end 2018 reminding us of that statement and also to kind of begin 2019 with a refreshment of what that, that is. Mission statements are, are kind of important, I think, because... They remind us of who we are, and they remind us of uh, actually who we're trying to become as well. So it's a little bit of both. So let me read for you um, our mission statement. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, EV Free is a loving community, united in sacrifice, living like Christ for the glory of God. And when I think about a loving community, there's three things that come to my mind. Um, being a loving community is one that a community of us that love Jesus. That's the primary reason why we're here, is that we love Jesus. He's the head of the church, and um, it's really all about him. The second part of loving community is that we love our neighbors, and that's our co-workers, that's our actual neighbors, that's the people surrounding areas of Fullerton, Brea, and all the cities around us. Um, We want to love our neighbors. And then lastly, a loving community is about loving each other. And that's an important part of who we are. We want to be a community that cares for each other, loves each other. Good morning. My name is Dave. Related to the empowering, empowering ministry of the Holy Spirit, let me first share with you a wonderful story of Holy Spirit empowered prayer and healing. I believe it was shared on the church website a couple of years ago, but it's well worth telling again. I'll read it primarily because Peggy wrote most of it, and I have just a few comments as well. Joe and Peggy Four came to Evie Free Fullerton in 1989 with their two daughters, who through high school were involved in our youth program. Joe and Peggy became active members in Sunlight Fellowship. When Joe, Joe was 12, he was treated with... Uh, radiation for lymphoma in his jaw area. It worked, but it also led to Joe losing the hearing in his left ear. Years later, in 2010, Joe and Peggy learned that Joe had acoustic neuroma in his right ear. By 2014, Joe was completely deaf in both ears, and his jaw was frozen shut uh, with only three-eighths of an inch between his upper and lower teeth. It's still in that condition as well. In January 2015, they began the two-surgery process of implanting a cochlear into Joe's left ear. The first surgery in August was difficult with Joe contracting bacterial pneumonia. He was in ICU on life support for 30 of the 45 days he was in the hospital. Through it all, Sunlight Fellowship was standing with them. 
In June of 2016, Joe was healthy enough to have the cochlear actually implanted. I had, been, I, I had become an elder by then, so Peggy asked me if Joe could be anointed. Absolutely. <laughs> Joe was to have surgery on June 13th, so on June 8th, 18 sunlighters came to their home with their written prayers for Joe to read as they prayed for him. Fred Outerkirken anointed Joe. The surgery went well, just as we had prayed. But we wouldn't know until July 12th if it was successful. The doctors gave them four possible results, number four being improbable because of the 45 years of deafness for Joe. With that information, Joe's family, Evie Free Fullerton, and Sunlight Fellowship went to war in prayer. These are Peggy's words. When the doctor turned on the... on the cochlear implant, Joe heard instantly. I was happy, she says, but didn't realize what a miracle it was until the doctor cried. She kept saying, this is amazing. I asked her if it really was uh, amazing or if she was trying to make us feel good. She said that in 25, 29 years of her practice, this was only the second time that someone who had not been able to hear uh, for such a long time, and in Joe's case, for 55 years, was able to hear right away. The doctor said, it's, it's, and Peggy interrupted her and said, a miracle? <laughs> and the doctor said, yes. That's the kind of empowerment that is meant in our mission statement, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now to our mission statement, from Scripture, we know that the Holy Spirit, as the third person of the Trinity, is fully God with the same attributes of God the Father and God the Son. Succinctly stated, the, the Bible teaches that the Father is God, that the Son is God, and that the Holy Spirit is God, while also teaching that there is only one God. Among his various ministries, is the, it is also through the Holy Spirit, as we come to faith, uh, that, that the Holy Spirit indwells us and seals us as believers as security for our inheritance uh, when we meet God, our full inheritance when we meet God in heaven. He also glorifies uh, and points people to Jesus. He gives gifts for service to people, to believers. And the Holy Spirit enables believers in relationship to live and practice the fruit of the Spirit. John 15 is one of five chapters of Jesus with his disciples just before he was betrayed and went to the cross. It, was, it, it, ha, it has come to be known as the Upper Room Discourse. These were his last hours with his disciples, so it was a very intimate time. Jesus was focused on sharing his parting words to his disciples to prepare them, and by the way, for us as well, for the future without his presence. In my opinion, among the several central uh, critical things he talked about, his telling that he will send one just like himself, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Helper, the Counselor, was the most critical because the Holy Spirit would be the primary agent of God in the world related to redeeming mankind from that time forward until Jesus returns. In today's reading, John 15, 7, 10 says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And then I, in verse 14 as well, he says, You are my friends if you do what I command. 
keeping Jesus' commandments and doing what he commands is critical in understanding and, and being in our understanding and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Another word for keeping and doing is obedience to the word of God. I wish I could give more, but one of many examples in scriptures of being empowered by the Spirit is Abraham. He's called the friend of God and referred to as the father of Father Abraham to all believers. In Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3, God says to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Upon hearing that, what did Abraham or Abram do? The answer is found in the very next verse. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. He heard the word of God and obeyed it. So I challenge us as a church and as individuals to be people who truly hear and obey God's word. I would encourage all of us to take time this coming year to, to be still in the presence of God, to pray over, to study, reflect, meditate, even sing over, and to listen to and obey the word of God. Of course, daily input of the Bible is critical, but passages of Scripture like the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22 and Philippians 4.8 are not simply lists to be obeyed. Kept and done, they will enable us to live the life of Jesus Christ and will enable us to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to live and share the gospel. Not as dynamic as Joe's miracle, but let me tell a personal story. Having been raised in a Christian home, early on I saw how my parents uh, relied upon the scriptures, the Holy Spirit, and prayer, especially as they lovingly and sacrificially cared for my oldest multi-handicapped brother who needed 24-7 care, and as well for the rest of us four siblings, of which I was the squirreliest. The Holy Spirit, day in and day out, for nearly 60 years for my dad, and 74 years for my mom empowered them to serve my brother. They joyfully and faithfully did it, even when it was almost impossible. That alone has impacted and shaped me to call upon the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit throughout my life. So in closing, I want to express my gratefulness to the Lord and to you for your affirmation of me as an elder. Your trust is not lightly taken. It's been a joyful privilege and an awesome, humbling responsibility to serve the Lord by serving you. The scriptures make it very clear that a key ministry of elders, and for all of us believers, is that we pray. You have a board of elders who, who are praying for you as we meet as a board, and also praying for all of us when we're serving the Lord shoulder to shoulder with you in ministry, as well as when we're alone with God. As elders, we ask you to pray for the Spirit of God to empower us with his wisdom and discernment as we discuss and make decisions relating to the many ministries here at E.V. Free Fullerton. May he be glorified this coming year in the life of our church family. I end with this blessing for you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
Dave. Good morning. My name is Steve uh, Eckberg. I'm one of the elders here at uh, EV Free Fullerton. And my job this morning is to talk about uh, the part of our mission that's united in sacrifice. So we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Uh, EV Free Fullerton is a loving community in, uh, in, uh, in united in sacrifice. And united uh, in sacrifice, sacrifice can be really a noun or a verb if you look it up in the dictionary. It's a noun, it's a sacrifice, is an animal, person, or object offered in a sacrifice. A verb to sacrifice is an act of giving up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as more valued or more worthy. So sacrifice is to give up something that matters or give up what matters for what matters more. And so this morning we want to talk about giving up what matters for what matters more. And my son is a Green Bay Packer fan. And uh, one of the things that Green Bay Packer fans do is they have a certain ritual. I see some, some agreement out there. They have a ritual that they pursue on game day. They always wear the uniform, but if you're a true Packer fan, you wear the cheese head. And the cheese head is this, this rubber uh, yellow chunk of, uh, it sits on your head, looks like a piece of cheese. And these true Packer fans wear this cheese head. And um, it's not particularly flattering and it's not even attractive. It's a little bit embarrassing as his dad to have him wear this, but, uh, but he wears that and he sacrifices his pride because he loves his Packers. Now his girlfriend, now fiance at the time, uh, she didn't know much about the Packers at all. She didn't even really like football, but she liked him. And so she learned to like the Packers and she learned to like football because she liked him. So she sacrificed her preference for Sunday afternoon, which was more about taking a nap or reading a book, that she would sit and watch the games with him. So now she wears the jersey as well. Now she doesn't love him enough yet to wear the cheese head. So we'll have to see if that works out, how that goes. But they are engaged, so we'll see if that changes. Uh, but we've just left this season of giving sacrifices uh, in gifts and time and resources at Christmas to those we love. And we sacrifice for what we love, for those that we love. We'll sacrifice what's important for what's important more, for, or more important for the people that we love and care about. And so the verses that we have this morning, the 5, John fifteen thirteen, Jesus says, Greater love have no man than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So this ultimate sacrifice is birthed in love. It comes out of somebody who loves us. And so when we look at to lay down your life, what does that mean? Life in our culture is really about getting your own way. It's about pursuing the brass ring. It's chasing the things that mean something to you. It's getting your preferences and getting your way. And that's really how we define life. And our culture would say, if you can control all those things, you really have what you want, then you've had the good life. In fact, one of the most popular songs in funerals in our culture is Frank Sinatra, I Did It My Way. And that epitomizes the culture that we have of this. But Jesus is saying the greatest act of love is to do something different. It's not to get your own way. It's not to do it your way, but it's to lay down your life, to give up what matters for what matters more. In Matthew 10, 39, Jesus says, whoever finds his life, whoever seeks after finding his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus said the way to find your life is really to lose it, to give up, to sacrifice those things that matter. To give up the self-interest, to give up your preferences, to give up what pleases you, your own desires, to give those things up for his sake, ultimately, you'll find your life. Those who pursue the my way Frank Sinatra life often find it empty at the end because they've pursued their own preferences, their own desires. They've not been willing to make, make those sacrifices. And it may be easy to sit here today and say, but we're the church. We're not out there. We're not the world. We don't do those things. So that doesn't really apply to us. We don't have Frank Sinatra songs at our funerals. So we're different. But we're not immune from this either. 
Brett McCracken is a Biola professor and a local pastor. He's written a book titled Uncomfortable, The Awkward and Essential Challenge of Christian Community. In it, he writes, there's nothing more American than being your own boss, working up the ladder, taking charge of your life and property. We are a DIY nation, self-made, unregulated. Our mantras are follow your dreams, be who you want to be, and find yourself. But these values, he writes, rub against the gospel on the point of self-sovereignty. For as much as we want to have complete control over our lives, following Jesus requires a surrender of will. Jesus is Lord, and I am not. When we try to seek our own way, when we try to find our own life, pursue our own preferences, in the end we'll be disappointed. And Jesus is telling us here that nobody has greater love than to lay down your life, to lay down those preferences and lay down those desires for a friend, to be willing to serve, to sacrifice, to give up what matters for what matters more. And Jesus said, in doing that, you'll find true life. This Christmas season is really the story of sacrifice, of laying down one's life. And the Christian music group down here released a song in 2009 called How Many Kings? And you may have heard it this season on the radio. The chorus of the song asks the following questions. How many kings stepped down from their thrones? How many lords have abandoned their homes? How many greats have become the least for me? How many gods have poured out their hearts to romance a world that has torn all apart? How many fathers gave up their sons for me? Only one did that for me. And as a church, we're united in sacrifice, but not uniform in sacrifice. Only one father gave up his son that mattered for something like us that mattered more. We're not called to be uniform in sacrifice, but united in sacrifice. So what does united look like to you? United is where we each sacrifice what matters to me for what matters more to you. And what matters to me may not matter to you, and what matters to you may not matter to me. But by being united in sacrifice, we can each sacrifice what matters to each of us for what, for what matters more to all of us. When we pick back up in our series, Love and Trouble in the Gospel of John, in the next week, uh, we'll be in John 3.16. And John 3.16 is arguably the most well-known verse in the entire Bible. And it's a verse about sacrifice. Because God so loved the world he gave that he sacrificed his son, a son that mattered to him, so that all of us who mattered more could believe in him and not perish, but have eternal life. We sacrifice for those that we love, whether it's cheeseheads or time or money or preferences. Let us commit to 2019 that that would be a year where we're a loving community United in sacrifice, uniting, united in that we each lay down our preferences and our self-focus, sacrificing what matters for what matters more to those that we love. So that empowered by the Holy Spirit, E.V. Free Fullerton will be a loving community, united in sacrifice, and Jay's now going to come and share about what it looks like to live like the, like, living like Christ for the glory of God. Well, good morning. I have the wonderful opportunity to tell you how to live like Christ for the glory of God. And I got seven minutes to do it. Lesson one, how to walk on water. And I mentioned walking on water because I believe that it highlights the fact that it is hard to live like Jesus. You may remember the Christian musician uh, Rich Mullins, one of my favorite uh, Christian musicians. Uh, He left us way too soon on this side of eternity. He wrote a song entitled, Hard. 
which sums up many of the feelings that I've had in my life. He wrote, Lord, it's hard to turn the other cheek, hard to bless when others curse you. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be a man of peace. Lord, it is hard. He continues, it's hard when your soul has been stripped bare, hard to lift your eyes toward heaven. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be a man of prayer. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be like Jesus. You might also remember the Christian musician Chris Rice. He wrote a song entitled Clumsy, which I really relate with. He says, you think I'd have it down by now. I've been practicing for 30 years. I should have walked a thousand miles. So why am I still, what am I still doing here? I'm reaching out for that same old piece of forbidden fruit. I slip and I fall and I knock my halo loose. Somebody tell me what's a boy supposed to do. I get so clumsy. I get so foolish. I get so stupid. And then I feel so useless. Have you ever shared these feelings? It's hard to live like Christ for the glory of God. The Apostle Paul talks about his struggles in Romans chapter 7, verse 18 and 19. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. But no matter how hard it is, it is, it is exactly what we are told to do by Jesus. In verse 8 of John 15, My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. The good news is here is that Jesus believes in us. Producing fruit is to be our focus. And in the context of this chapter, fruit that he's talking about is love. It can happen. It can be the hallmark of our life, but only if we have relationship with him. Back in verse 4 and 5 of John 15, Jesus says that a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself. You can do nothing without me. And of course, he's talking about things that have eternal value. Don't make the mistake that I made a long time ago. I thought I had to produce the fruit before God would accept me. And let me remind all of us that he saved us out of his love. We are heaven bound. We have eternal life and it's ours in Jesus and nowhere else. And it's not because of our works, but it's because of what he has done. He came into this world and he lived the life that we couldn't live. And then he took that life to the cross and he sacrificed for our sins. Jesus says in verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and produce fruit. I grew up absolutely fearing death. Literally would lay awake at nights as a young boy afraid of what lie ahead. I never took any big dares or participated in whatever kind of wildness you might dream of because I was afraid I might die. I hated to pray that prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray, my Lord, my soul to keep. If I should die, what? You used to say, why did you teach me that prayer, Mom? <laughs> my mom had always told me to be a good boy because that made God happy. And you want to go to heaven, don't you? However, I grew up wondering if my good boy side was outweighing my bad boy side. I was afraid that I wouldn't go to heaven. And in my mind, it all depended upon my performance. 
Well, in my senior year of high school at good old Hawaii Baptist Academy back in 1972, several friends of mine were doing things differently. They had been living a very interesting hippie lifestyle, and all of a sudden they were living a different way, and they were giving all the credit to Jesus. They invited me to come and hear a man who wrote a book on end times and the second coming of Jesus. And somewhere in the middle of that presentation, I realized that he was coming back for me. In spite of my past, in spite of my inadequacy, or in spite of any good thing that I might have felt like I manufactured for him. That night, I was a changed man. I had conversion. I wasn't perfected yet, and I'm not perfected now. But I was changed and on a new path. Since that time, I've had Jesus on my mind and working on my heart because he just won't let me forget what he has done for me. And I'll tell you why I can't forget. It's because of people like you, people who have allowed the Lord to produce fruit within you. For the last 18 years, my life has been radically changed by being at this place. But there's been other people in my life. You don't know them. Troy Mooneyham, Phil Magnan, Clay Ford, Steve Bryan, Tom and Janet Scott, to name a few. And, of course, I'll throw my wife into the mix. She's out there somewhere. She's definitely made an impact in my life. My response to all of this love, and I can do no other, is to be a fruit-producing person myself. And now I, along with you, want to share it with as many other people as we can. But the only way that it'll happen with an effectiveness is if we allow the Lord to make us into a loving community. We live like Christ for the glory of God, producing fruit because we have been saved and because he wants to save others. You may have noticed that there are still many walking around in this world today without hope. And without Jesus, that hopelessness will carry all the way into eternity. And that isn't a good thing. Let us pray that in 2019 that God will create an urgency within us to have a concern for the loss, that we might learn again how to weep for the loss whether it be the family members that we have or those that God gives us as a divine appointment during the day. We have many in our congregation who are Marines. Oh, they may not be on active duty, but they are a Marine. Dave Kennedy, who was just up here, he had a long talk with me about that one day when I said, oh, you were a Marine. Well, I want to have that same kind of identity when it comes to Jesus. I am always a branch. I am always connected to the vine, created and tended every day by our Father to produce a loving fruit that will draw others to know him. That's what I want for my life. And we have a great history here at this place. And we say thank you, God. But God has even greater plans for us ahead. I truly believe that. One last song that I'll mention was one of the first songs that I ever learned in my early Christian days. But it was a lovely song. His banner over me is love. He called me to his banqueting table. His banner over me is love. He called me to his banqueting table. His banner over me is love. One more time. He called me to his banqueting table. His banner over me is love. His banner over me is love. He set a banqueting table before us, folks. Let us come and feast on the fruit that he wants to produce in our lives and in turn the lives of others. 
Let's continue to worship and to feast upon this fruit that the Lord has given us here at this church.